I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favourite TV memory to talk about. Joining me today is the comedy writer and my husband, Joel Morris. Joel, thanks for coming back. Yeah, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I didn't go nowhere while back was being talked about. Literally still sitting here from last time. Now, if you haven't listened to last time yet, do. We talked about the Mouse Mill episode of Bagpuss. Today, we're going to talk about... I don't know, probably in my professional life, one of the best days I've ever had at work. <laughs> so uh, years and years ago now, I was asked by The Guardian to go and interview Peter Furman. And he lived at that time in the house he'd always lived in with his wife and family in Bleen in Kent. And it's where they filmed Bagpuss, Nog in the Nog, Pingwings, and just all of the amazing small film stuff, Eye Over the Engine. And obviously I was, when I'd, you know, scraped my jaw off the floor, I said a kind of very cool, sure. <laughs> and then we immediately took our son out of school and I said, can I bring my husband? And they were very nice about it. So the family, we all got to go and visit the Furmans and it was magical, wasn't it? It was brilliant. I mean, I, genuinely a chance to meet an absolute hero. And yeah. they were so nice. They were everything you'd hope. And the place was so magical. And it was what you feel when you watch Bagpuss and Clangers and all those ones is that it's not being made in the big city. And it's Definitely not being not. made by people who are even doing this professionally. There's a lot of fuss made, especially for me. I come from music background and I, I everyone talks about how important Bagpuss was as for folk musicians. Because yeah. it was very often for us in the 70s, the first time you'd heard folk music. When I first saw The Wicker Man. I thought, oh, it's the music from Bagpuss. Yeah. It was the first time you'd heard hard folk. What people don't talk about is the whole of small films is folk. It's folk art. It's yeah. folk. It's craft. Everything's homemade. Everything's sort of, like you said, there's a Heath Robinson thing about the equipment it was it's filmed on. William Morris and it's Heath Robinson. It's, it's all that thing about what happened is, is that they weren't given very much money. And Oliver Postgate, who was a writer and, and sort of maker of things, just pulled in someone to help him make stuff because they didn't have enough money to hire a yeah. big crew. They couldn't build Cosgrove Hall or Disney or something. It's a sort of two person and wives and families operation. It's, yeah, it was it the whole family folk. got involved, didn't yeah. it? I mean, it was, it was quite an incredible. Charlotte Furman did some illustrations for Bagpuss. One of the stories is, is his daughter did the drawings. Yeah. Babette Cole did one, actually. There's a really interesting thing really? Cole. She's done one of the Bagpuss stories, but it's just friends. But I remember when they relaunched the Clangers, you know, after they'd obviously they'd made the show back in the 70s yeah. and then they made it more recently and they're still making it now. Dan Postgate, Oliver's son, is still making the clangers to this day and it's brilliant. Yes, yeah, it's again, stayed in the family. If you need anything soothing at this terrible time, go on to the BBC iPlayer now. There are lots of episodes of the clangers there. It is flipping beautiful. Yeah. Go and watch it. It's a treasure trove. But they've made a big fuss about it with the press and relaunched the clangers and they hired a posh hotel in London. And 
most of the postgates and most of the vermins all came en masse and turned this incredibly posh hotel into a big sort of craft fair. And we were all there like painting tiles and making yeah. badges. And it was just totally brilliant and brought that folk spirit to the big city. It was just really, really lovely. So to going to visit the, the shed where it was made, the, the farm shed. It's a shed, huge barn, isn't it? It's yeah. a barn and all the bits are in there and it's just done on a little camera by hand. And there's a lovely story about how Peter Furman and Oliver Postgate met in that Oliver Postgate was looking for someone who was the cheapest possible person to do some drawings for. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. Because Oliver could draw, but he wanted and like a really good illustrator. trained and yeah. Yeah, so he went to Central St. Martin's and said, do you have any students who'd like to do some drawings for a kid's show over the engine I'm going to make uh, who can do it for really, really cheap? They said, how much money have you got? And he told them, and Peter Furman, who was head of illustration, went, to be honest, I don't make very much money. I'll do it. Brilliant. So he got the lecturer yeah. for student rates. And nice. all of it's done with this lovely cut price thing where it's just friends making something together. Yeah. And I think that's the feeling you get when you go there. Um, well, obviously, sadly, Peter Furman is no longer with us now. Yeah. But um, I feel so lucky to have had that time. Um, so when we got to the house, I think we couldn't find it for ages, could we? Yeah. And P- Peter was like standing at the end of the drive going, we're here. We're <laughs> waving at me. And I was like, oh, I was so nervous. I'd made them a cake because I wanted to like, you know, whether they be my friends. And um <laughs> We arrived and I think Joan took you and our son Douglas off to go and head on a little nature trail in the field behind their house. Yeah, we looked at dragonflies and things on the pond are perfect. I mean, this is, she was in her 80s and was just able to just take a little kid for a walk and wear him out. Just fully fantastic people. And I went up to, you had this lovely sort of very square, very sort of neat little farmhouse in the, in the Kent countryside and he built himself a kind of an attic uh, loft. Art like studio a, yeah, exactly, place to make things. Which is all sort of bookcases and lots of the little items from the shows dotted around and just, it was just a lovely space and we went up there and kind of overlooking the garden and we did an interview and he was obviously just full of stories and absolutely brilliant. But the whole day was just oh, I can't believe we're here because you kept on walking past bits of the house and going, is that their kitchen window was the shop window from Bagpus. Yes. So we took a picture of our son with his Bagpus under his arm standing next to it, just going, I can't believe we're here. There's a great thing to look for if you rewatch this episode of Bagpus. At the beginning, the, the Edwardian-style photos of Emily, one of them, she's holding up Bagpus inside that thing, yeah. and there's a 1970s kitchen wallpaper behind Brilliant. her. Brilliant. Which isn't Edwardian at all. It's big, sploshy, sort yeah. of like uh, <laughs> yellow submarine flowers yeah. that sort of says, this exists in no time. It's very yeah. 70s and very Victorian. Oh, it's so And, it was like, and you got to see all the stuff. There were, there were little models everywhere and some of it was in, in, in cases but some of it was just out and the love that everything had been made with everything was done so carefully there's yeah. there's magical things and it's all DIY Bagpuss originally was supposed to be a marmalade cat the original yes, drawing was supposed to be um, bright orange, orange. Yeah, yeah. yeah but they sent the wrong fabric through and they went oh we'll stick with pinks there's all these accidents his eyes apparently are, are teddy bear eyes yeah but they put tinfoil behind them so that it would always glitter and he sparkle he does look sparkly eyed in some weird mysterious way in a so way that thoughtful. dead Doll's eyes are dead, but Bagpuss yeah. is really friendly. He's yeah. got magic in his eyes and it's just done with tinfoil. I also really like the story about, so Peter Furman also, he made Basil Brush. Yes. That was another one of his creations. And Basil, I think he'd been travelling around. This is, was a, in, in the interim between him coming back and doing a new show and then they must have made a new Basil Brush. But uh, after he'd come off TV, he would, you know, be sort of bagged up and, and occasionally taken around to a museum or something. And his tail started to get quite mangy. <laughs> and uh, Peter Furman knew a tanner uh, obviously, because that's the kind of person that Peter Fenman would just know. You know, he's an arty guy. He just knows people who can do things with stuff. And they said, oh, they, we'd found a fox the other day. Um, poor chap, you know, didn't make it across the road. But his tail's in pretty good, Nick. So they, <laughs> they, got, they, they got the tanner to preserve the tail and shove it on Basil, which is marvellous. Well, people don't know that Peter Fenman did Basil Brush. No. The weird thing, I'd, I'd forgotten this as well, is that when they originally pitched Bagpuss, the idea was he was going to be a Raj, a colonel cat. Yeah. And he was going to live in a children's home in the hills of India. 
That's right, yeah. And the setup like was going to be... a retired army cat. And he would tell stories. And this classic old kids TV thing you could have done back in 1970, whatever, would have been to sit him surrounded by kids. Yeah. And the reason they didn't do that is they were going to make him like Basil Rush, like a moving puppet. And they couldn't do it because the budget wasn't enough to put a load of kids in there. Yeah. So the only reason Bagpuss is like it is, is because they said, what can you do in a shed? I know. So the limitations give you the shape of the thing. And I think that's why it feels, all the small film stuff feels different than Disney or or, or even uh, Henson. Yeah. Because the limitations are, what can these two guys do in their house? And They couldn't of, have thought of a better name for the company, really. Could they? It, it describes so brilliantly what they did. But it's so inspirational were. if you're an artist. The reason I think what well, artists love it is the folk mm-hmm. art, the sort of outsider artness of small film stuff. Oliver Postgate said he didn't know how to make films, didn't know how to animate before it started. No one was trained at art school, but they weren't trained. And he said the best way to learn to do something yeah. is to do it. And I remember watching this as a kid and going, oh my God, that's just a, that's a yogurt pot. Like yeah. the Blue Peter makes. You watched it and went, oh, I could do that. You can see the working parts. Yeah, my suddenly... stuff, I've got this stuff in my house. Yeah, I could build this. And there's nothing more inspirational for a kid to be able to see and imagine holding the things. That it was just junk yeah. that came to life. Beautiful junk, what they did with the junk. Always remember as well, in one of his other, there's lots of little outbuildings, some rickety outbuildings around the, the farmhouse. And in one of them, Peter had an old Victorian printing press. Yes. Like a great beer moth of a thing. And actually, I'm looking now behind you, Joel, uh, the two prints we bought from him. He used to sell them on his website. And they're just these incredible things. Obviously, he'd design and then he'd make the... I don't know how it works. You Then you scratch the... There were lino the cuts or yeah, etchings or the yeah. wood, uh, wood blocks. They're wood cuts. And he'd, he'd put them in his Victorian printing press. Yeah. And I got... Because I'm such a big sort of fan of... Bagpuss got me into folk and folk art and yeah. folk things. So I got, as a present from you, I think, it's uh, Peter Vermin had done a woodcut of the Hand of Glory. That's right. Really scary. Which is one of the defining images from the Wicker Man film. Yes, so it's, it's a hand where all the fingers are aflame, isn't it? Basically, yes. it's like candle hand. Yeah, it's that. So I've got, I've got a brilliant Peter <laughs> in folk horror woodcut yeah because it sort of seems to link everything up everything that i eventually years later got into and i went i think it all came from bagpuss yes it's true opened all these doors to not the stuff they're not giving kids something that kids have been researched to want yeah they're giving them the something that's come from their heart and they've said to kids this is yours i did this for you and yeah. it took ages yeah did this for you did it really carefully and with lots of love and like you said it's unlike anything else To round off, I have to say, as a nice postscript to that, I went down to Kent a couple of months ago because I wanted to get some writing done. I went went and stayed in a little shed for a couple of days and popped in on Dan Postgate and his wife, who are very lovely, and we had a drink together. And then um, I think Dan must just know this because I've never asked because I didn't know if he had had Bagpuss at his house or not. (laughs) So I've never asked. I've seen Bagpuss in the Canterbury Museum. When we went on to Canterbury for um, Bagpuss's 40th birthday, we actually went on holiday to Canterbury to go and visit Bagpuss in a museum. And uh, Dan disappeared for a minute and then re-emerged with, oh with actual bagpuss and said um, do you want to I was like what can I touch him he was like you can give him a cuddle if you want so I I, oh. I hugged him a little bit too tightly <laughs> well, everyone's always wanted to there is a beautiful book you can get called The Art of Small Films which are beautiful photographs Johnny Trunk put oh. it together photographs of all the puppets and, and yeah. models from the, the farm it's the closest thing to going and visiting uh, and in it is the most beautiful scan or photo of bagpuss's paws oh. like when a cat sits on a photocopier They're all soft and poofy and it's one of the most beautiful photographs I've ever seen wow why have we got that bone up on the wall I should, I should get as a, uh, yeah, a mural but yeah. <laughs> let's totally do that I think advice in these trying times is if you have any way of watching anything by small films it will make you feel better yeah Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep and of course when Bagpuss goes to sleep all his friends go to sleep too the mice were ornaments on the mouse organ Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls, 
Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. for listening you can find links to the youtube clips from today's episode on our twitter feed at box delights pod come and say hello bye It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.